Hello, and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. We have a great show coming up for you. We have Becky Bond, the former political director of Credo and a former senior advisor for the Bernie Sanders for President campaign. She'll be talking to us about what progressives can do to hold Hillary's feet to the fire. Also, make sure that you check out the op-ed that she wrote, which will be live uh, Thursday at 11.35 a.m. That's at thehill.com. And we'll be talking to Brendan James, the producer of the El Chapo Trap House podcast, as well as a writer at Vice, The Guardian, and Slate about Trump, the shakeups in his team, and about Juanita Broderick, who accused Bill Clinton of raping her, and rape culture. He's also deep underscore beige on Twitter. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper. It is Wednesday, August 17th. We're so glad to be back live. I'm here, of course, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. or 6 p.m.-ish. And I'm joined, of course, by Gabe Pacheco. Hi. What's going on, Katie? What's going on, Gabe? I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. You know, I had my dinner already. I had a, had a cliff bar. How was it? Why? Chocolate chip well, cliff bar. Why not more dinner? I'm concerned. You know, that's, that's, that's what life is on Wednesdays. Always running. Running mm. from thing to thing to thing to thing. Wow. Well, are you going to eat a fuller meal after? Uh, you know, I don't know, because I got a, I got a couple stand-up shows right after Oy, this. Including so, your own. And then I have my show at 10. So. And your show is? Uh, my show Let is the people fun, know. Fun House Comedy at uh, Pete's Candy Store. But we'll see. We'll see if I can uh, sneak in. I know. Another I think snack. you really need to. Just some more calories. Just you some know? more calories. Yeah. Gabe. Gabe is. In case you haven't seen Gabe, Gabe does not have to worry about. Uh, Gabe. Gabe. I want some of Gabe's metabolism. That's all I'm going to say. I'm like a lanky, rangy coyote. Oh no, you're not. You're so much more than that. You're like a beautiful coyote. Thank you. You're welcome. And Reggie. Reggie Johnson, of course, the engineer in chief, who's here also. Hello. Hi, Reggie. How's it going? Uh Things are, are what they are. It's, it seem like uh, we got a little bit of a break from the weather. Oh, yeah. It's not quite as like sauna-esque. It's more steam room-esque. I yeah, guess not like plantation-esque. I mean, I can't. I don't feel comfortable saying that. But, oh, well, um, I just said it. <laughs> I know. And there it is. I just want it's everyone out in the to universe. know that Reggie, Reggie Johnson said that that wasn't Katie Halper. Well, and that's important. I think there's a distinctive, a distinction. Yeah, me too. Between the tone of voice. I think so. People can tell the difference right. between. Oh, uh, thank Reggie you for translating. I was like, I was like, that's not the only reason. <laughs> okay, I thought right. yeah, that was funny. I'll work as oh, an interpreter. Wow. On yeah, the thank show. you, thank <laughs> you. Well, Gabe, as as everyone knows, Gabe and Reggie do have a special bromance. So we have a great show lineup for you today. We have. I'm um, going to do very short some just news headlines, but then we're going to bring on our first guest, who we're so psyched to talk to, Becky Bond. Becky Bond is an organizer. Not only is she an organizer, but she's been called a secret organizing weapon by none other than Breitbart, that right-wing, reactionary, conservative, scary website. Mm -hmm. And she was the political director of Credo, and she also was a senior advisor on the Bernie Sanders for President campaign. And she's been on the show before, and she's going to talk to us about what is to be done. What can progressives do? What should we do? What can we do if we're not excited about Hillary Clinton? She's going to get us pumped to, to do something besides be depressed right we have all this nervous energy so and much she's gonna be like energy. get just get out get yeah. out of the house stop exactly. whittling exactly because you know? you know what we talk the talk on the katie helper show but you know what becky does 
She walks the walk. Do, she walks the walk. She does. She in walks the walk. Sensible flats. Exactly. Very sensible. I think sneakers. I, I think I've only seen Becky in sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the second half of the show, we're going to be jo- joined by Brendan James, deep underscore beige on Twitter. He's a journalist who writes for Slate and Vice. And he's going to be talking about the latest in the Trump team shakeups. How do you like that? Love a Trump team shakeup. That's actually a dance that we're going to start doing. Um, and very excited to say that next week we're going to have on the show Katie Baker, a BuzzFeed journalist who actually did the story this week on Juanita Broderick. Oh, Juanita Broderick? Juanita Broderick. Who you mean, uh, I, oh, you, uh, well, I believe all women. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, that's my stance politically. But so the, uh, Juanita Broderick, for people that don't know, uh, accused Bill Clinton of... She, uh, right now, pinned onto her Twitter uh, bio is... I was 35 years old when Bill Clinton, Arkansas Attorney General, raped me and Hillary tried to silence me. I'm now 73 and never goes away. So this is awkward and interesting because the Hillary Clinton campaign had a trust, a, a thing about how you can trust women and um, tell they should be heard and we're here for you. And they had to remove that after this story came out on BuzzFeed, which is basically Katie Baker's asking Juanita Broderick what happened. And it's a very nuanced piece. Um, and it's it's really important because it's it is hard to write about this stuff. Uh, so yeah, they I mean that's an understatement because the idea of a woman being punished for the crimes of her husband is that he was allowed to get away with is problematic. But you know what else is problematic? What's that? Rape and not covering rape, right? Because the the irony with this story is that I myself didn't want to look into it because I was afraid that it was true, and I didn't want it to be true. And I still don't know if it's true. Right. Juanita um, Broderick's claim that, that Bill Clinton raped her. But I also didn't want to read about it because I was afraid that if it looked convincing, that I would write about it or talk about it, and I would be labeled right-wing mm. and a lunatic and a conspiracy theorist. Well, is there always room at Breitbart? You know what? That's a good point. I don't know if there is. I had my picture taken with him when he was still alive, so you that's know a good what? question. And, I mean, what's the what's the harm in writing for the right wing if you get ostracized by the left? I mean, the Koch brothers have a, hu- a yeah. huge war chest. It's true. The benefits are probably great. But, yeah, that's, that's a good point, Gabe. Thank you. But it is a weird thing because I think of myself as fairly comfortable in my political convictions and beliefs, and I realized that I had been kind of like m- people are marginalized from writing about this stuff, because they're viewed as right wing. In fact, in the BuzzFeed piece that's so good that Katie Baker did, she quotes someone from Emily's List who says that um, women know that this is an unfair attack on Hillary and that's why it continues to exist in the small corner of the right wing media world. So that's the vice president of communications at at the PAC uh, Emily's List. Well, yes. I mean, well, there's, uh, there's she, uh, sure, uh, Hillary w- in no way, shape or form um, is the would be the rapist in this, right. if, if, the alleged. Right. Uh, but um, if she had any knowledge of it, right, then would that make her an accomplice? I don't know if it makes her. I don't not think that's accomplice after the fact. But certainly, it's pre, it's non presidential behavior. Is it? It's an it's a, something about character and integrity. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, but what's interesting is like if we if this were a murder, right, we would never talk about it the same way we do. Like we're like, well, if he raped her, no one would be like, well, if he committed murder. And yes, our penal system does distinguish between those two things. But I really find the story kind of troubling and fascinating. And it, it kind of makes us look at the way we report about rape, the way we report about things when gender is involved. 
And it's funny because I've been so critical of Hillary Clinton, but oddly enough, I kind of get why people are protective of her in this instance. It's awful, but it's like if Bill Clinton got away with this behavior, why is the woman who was just married to him going to be penalized? She's not because she's going to win the election. But if she divorced him and sort of separated herself in all affiliation from him, wouldn't that be? Yeah, but maybe that would have been a bad political move. In other words, this is the big takeaway from from this election, which is that women can be just as Machiavellian and awful and corrupt and power hungry as men. That's that's what we've learned. And I, I say that I'm not even joking. I think that is one of the things that that is a form of equality, sadly. Um, so it's progress then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the worst sense, but nevertheless. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. OK, so that's that's one of the headlines. And by the way, you'll want to know that Wonkett wrote this that drove some of us crazy. Some of us, most people weren't following this or writing about this. All of the ma- of mainstream feminism has, I think, is on a retreat where they have no no cell service or no Wi-Fi service yeah. because nobody wrote about this. And this is Wonkett uh, describing the revelations in this BuzzFeed article. To sum up, I think Bill Clinton could very well have raped Juanita Broderick. That it doesn't make him an evil man or irredeemable. I'm Catholic. We're all forgiven if we're sorry. And Broderick says Bill Clinton personally called her to apologize. It doesn't even necessarily make him a bad feminist, you know, later once he stops doing that. So, guys, if you want to be a good feminist ally, here's what you do. Always follow up a rape with a phone call. Yeah. A couple days. I mean, as soon as possible. You got to apologize. Get that apology in there. Or, you know, or uh, today in today's time, I guess, just like Facebook, like their status. Totally. Yeah. The, yeah, you know, exactly. Unless it implicates leave nice, you. Leave nice comments. Yeah. You want to get you want to get to their wall before they do, lest they. Um, right that they have been raped because you don't want your spot to be blown up if you will especially if they tag you that's awkward we should do another show on on post-rape etiquette um so yeah that's how to be a good feminist ally and in other headline news um we are going to talk a little bit about uh clinton's transition team we're going to talk about that with our next guest actually but you'll be excited to know that clinton named some really exciting not so progressive people to her transition team and that's the people who will help her if she does win the win the um election they help kind of smooth everything over transition you know what that means all right well let's get to our first guest and talk about um this really interesting story about the clinton's transition team is our guest on the line oh hi becky i didn't even know you were there oh yes well you know i'm calling in from that feminist retreat that you were invited to um we are we're all hanging out at a a robber baron's mansion you know somewhere you know, been given to a foundation, and um, this is uh, taking a break from the martinis. Oh, thank well, thank you. I could use a martini. Um, I'm jealous. I don't get invited to those uh, retreats. But you are here, of course, with uh, me, Katie Halper, with Gabe Pacheco, and Reggie Johnson, and welcome back. Well, you know, it's great to be back. It was really sad to you know be on the outside organizing team, not the uh, comms team, so we didn't get to talk during the uh, during the Bernie campaign, so it's great to be back. Right. So Becky, when she spoke to us last, was the political director at Credo, and since then she was a senior advisor for Bernie Sanders and an organizer. And we want to talk to Becky because, first of all, Becky wrote a low-key brutal op-ed. I'm just, can I call it low-key brutal? <laughs> I you know, I, I'm always surprised when people think these things are, are brutal. It's just- it was pretty deep but i guess we don't want to talk about these things yeah exactly it's just honest and people aren't used to honesty it seemed objective to me yeah it it did yeah (laughs) but i i I really liked it because it was unapologetic and it basically is is saying um you broke it you bought it 
I believe is going to be the headline. And uh, look out for it. I won't say where it's coming. But basically, uh, Becky, you say that it's time for progressives who helped Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders in the primary to take the lead on holding her accountable. And you say progressives who supported Clinton in the primary should use their leverage to ensure Clinton makes good on her vow to stop TPP and keep other promises she made on the campaign trail to win progressive votes. Bernie supporters will have your back, but it's up to you to lead on this one. Okay, and this is ready. This is, this is my favorite part of it. It's a serious matter, and it can't wait until after the inauguration. From the perspective of progressives who supported Bernie in the primary, this election is a shotgun wedding. We're going to vote for Clinton because we have to, but the honeymoon ends with the appointment of Salazar. So, Becky, can you talk more about this honeymoon ending? Well, it was short, you know, the honeymoon. I mean, it was, you know, the um, if there was one. I mean, the point is, is that for those of us who supported Bernie, you know, the press has tried to make a ridiculous story out saying that a bunch of people who supported Bernie were not going to support Clinton. But of course, Bernie supporters, the vast majority of them are going to support Clinton versus Trump, right? Because that's the choice um, that we have. But but just because we're going to vote for Clinton doesn't mean that we're going to like it. And um, and it also, you know, means that we're um, that no one who is progressive who's voting for Clinton, you know, should assume that we're going to get all the progressive things that she's promising on the campaign trail. We know we have to hold her accountable. Um, when we sent Obama into office, a lot of people sat back and they said, hey, you know, the guy just got elected, let him, let him, he's got a strategy, you know, like, let's let him, let's let him do his, let's let him do his work and let's lay off. And, and what happened was we got completely outflanked by moderate Dems in the right wing and, um, and we didn't get the change that we voted for. So with Clinton, I don't even think that the, the honeymoon doesn't end the day after the, uh, the inauguration. It should start now. And, and for people who didn't want progressives, you know, to be pushing Clinton to be more progressive um, in the in the general election because they were worried it would help Trump win. Well, now we see the polls and he's tanked so hard that there's plenty of room for us both to crush him on November 8th, but also uh, hold Clinton's seat to the fire on uh, progressive um, on our progressive agenda. So, right. So you're saying that the numbers are so favorable to Clinton that there's not even the excuse of, of a strategic justification for being hawkish or for being pro TPP. Is that right? Well, let's just, I think we can just be honest, right? I think that, you know, we don't have to, we don't have, we're not so concerned that Trump could win that we actually have to hold our tongues and be silent about the, the issues on which Hillary Clinton could be better. And so some of it is issues where it's, it's clear we don't agree with her um, and the, you know, whether she's going to take the country to war in the first hundred days or not, that's, that's one of those, you know, issues where she's clearly more hawkish than the president's been, and she's been honest about that. But then there's other issues where she had to change her position on the campaign trail um, because Bernie Sanders' campaign was breathing down her neck, and that includes the TPP um, and, um, and immigration uh, policy. And so we need to make sure that she um, holds the line on those issues and that she doesn't, now that she's courting Republicans to support her, that she doesn't, um, uh, she doesn't flip-flop back to her earlier positions on that. And so I think that the, um, I think that it really is up to the people in labor, 
um, uh, for example, on the, and uh, the environmental movement who are fierce opponents of the, of the TPP, it's up to them, now that we've seen her appoint Kane, who's pro-TPP for vice president, and appointed, you know, Ken Salazar to be the, in charge of her presidential transition team, who's pro-TPP, and it's up to them, um, who supported her all along, who helped her beat Bernie, it's up to them to hold her accountable on stopping the TPP and the host of other, you know, issues where she's made us progressive promises. Right. Um, did I hear you banging, Becky? Were you banging your fist? Oh, yeah. You know, I get a little, I get a little passionate. That's awesome. So I, was, I love that. I was hitting the table. Most people but, would know, say you, on a radio you, show, don't you, do you it, but I like it. We're, I know you're friends with people that supported Hillary Clinton in the primary. And throughout the primary, you know, they insisted it wasn't just a pragmatic argument. They said that she is really a progressive. Right. And so now we're starting to see her pick her people. And Elizabeth Warren has made a very forceful case saying that personnel is policy and all of the agencies in the cabinet, they decide how to enforce laws, how to interpret laws, how to write rules, you know, and how to negotiate our trade agreements. And so, you know, this is where the rubber hits the road. So if she's starting to pick people and line people up for administration, this is when we need to make sure that those people are going to be in line with the policies that she says are going to be um, her administrations. And, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be, I, I'm going to be part of that. I, I want to be part of pushing for that. And I'm going to vote for Clinton. But the people who need to leave on, lead on this and get out in front and make sure it happens, those are the people that endorse Clinton, that worked for Clinton, that supported her, that are supporting her in the general election because they have the most pull and they have the responsibility to ensure that she lives up to the promises that they guarantee to us, the other progressives in the movement. Well, I'm just really looking forward to seeing Henry Kissinger back in the White House yeah. for informal con consultations at least. Yeah, that's good. Or, or maybe Christmas or something if, they, if, if uh, security's not good enough on... You know, Oscar De Laurentiis Island. Do you oh, think right. that? Um, do you think that 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 they'll all just Kissinger and all those guys will just come to the White House? Maybe as lo as long as there are no uh, international human rights lawyers sneaking around <laughs> who could who could uh, citizens arrest him and then try him for war crimes. But um, Becky, I have a question: Why will these people listen to you or to us, to progressives? Why will these Clinton um, enablers, enforcers, listen to us? In other words, you're you're you make okay. an amazing case, an amazing moral case for this, an ethical case, and and in theory, you'd think that people would want to save the planet, for instance, right? That they would see that as self-interested too. But I don't think that they do. We saw this during the Democratic Platform Committee meetings, where the, the difference between the two were uh, Clinton appointees and Sanders appointees were so striking. Um, well, well, yeah. we did end up bringing people around on a lot of big issues during the platform fight. I mean, here's 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 what I say. You know, it's 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 very tempting to say to fellow progressives who supported Clinton and helped Clinton beat Bernie in the primary. I told you so. Yeah. Right. They said she was going to be this big progressive champion, and um, and we were like, no, she's not. That's why we're going for Bernie. And it'd be very tempting to say, I told you so. And and but you're not going to do that. But that's not that. what I'm saying because. We can't take our our toys and and go home. We're we're in this together, and there's a lot at stake. And so what I'm saying is the way I'm thinking about it is more like you broke it, you bought it. Right. So progressives who supported Hillary Clinton, you've got your candidate. Uh, she's barring something crazy happening, or barring something for barring crazy things to stop happening every day on the on the Trump campaign. She's going to be the next president of the United States. 
okay, you, you, you own the situation now, right? You made it happen. And so you need to take responsibility for ensuring that, uh, that she lives up to her rhetoric on these progressive issues. And it's going to take a lot of people pushing and, and we know that and everybody's willing to participate, but those progressives, um, they need to take the lead. And, and I think a lot of them, you know, I think they do care about things. I think, I think our friends in labor who endorsed, um, Clinton early, I think they, they do really want to stop the, the TPP. It's not that they don't, it's not that they don't want to, but I think we do have to be honest. Um, what, what, what we don't want them to do is put their head in the sand and say, she's got this, don't worry about it. And then we find out too late, right? When it's a done deal. And then all of us together, uh, can't stop it. It's, it's kind of like what happened in the, um, in the healthcare fight when, um, when we were, you know, trying to stop, um, was the Michigan guy that had the Stupak of the Bart Stupak yeah, amendment right. and uh, and Planned Parenthood and these groups on the Hill, they were like, no, we got it. Don't worry. We've got this defeated. Don't worry about it. Don't do anything. This was an inside deal. And Nancy Pelosi's got it. And then we didn't do anything and it passed. Right. right. And so we can't let them, we can't let them be overconfident um, and not be, um, and not be fighting starting now um, to make sure that uh, we all can hold the line um, when, uh, when Clinton hits the white house but the, the- after inauguration. So Nancy, are there like Becky? Uh, Becky, you I'm got sorry, Pelosi sorry. on the mind. Yes, Nancy I did. Pelosi, I got yeah. I got Nancy Pelosi yeah. on my mind. Sorry, Becky. As usual. So uh, Becky, a uh, question for you: Do you, are there? So are you saying maybe that we should put uh, pressure on surrogates, uh, Clinton surrogates, and ask them uh, wh- where they stand and see where they are on issues? Um, how is it that we can well, that, really apply that, pressure that's a, to? That's, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think there should be. I, I think that that progressives who helped. Clinton beat Bernie and are now, you know, and now we're all, she's our, all of us are, you know, voting for her to be in the White House against Trump. I think that, I think that they need to ensure that their voices are heard when these cabinet appointments are made. And then when all of the other, you know, all the, all the other, you know, thousands of people that are given jobs in the White House. And if, um, if Ken Salazar is able to pack uh, the White House with uh, people that m- agree with his agenda rather than the agenda um, that Clinton has stated, it'll be it'll be really hard to move forward on the things that we want. So I think I think pushing, you know, if we push people whose names are floated um, as possible choices for these important roles, if we push them um, what, before the decisions are made, then I think that's we'll have a really good choice. And who better to push on that than the people who are supporting Clinton? Either they're in the room or their voices they're more likely to be covered by a reporter. If they are questioning, you know, a possible mm. Clinton decision um, before it happens, because I knew, they like are Clinton supporters, so right. they have a special responsibility, right? right? Um, to just... uh, to make sure that this um, that we don't end up with um, a, a White House which is much more conservative um, on Wall Street. On um, but isn't that what they want? Uh, like I used to think that I used to think that they were bad negotiators and bad deal makers. Now I actually think that these people, these Democrats who aren't progressive, don't they want conservative stances and positions and policies when it comes to to Wall Street and so many other things? Well, I mean, take a look at, you know, Planned Parenthood and uh, and NARAL. I mean, they didn't, I'm sure they didn't want Tim Kaine to be the vice president, right. someone who, you know, doesn't support repealing the, the Hyde Amendment. I don't think that they're, um, I, I don't think they want that, you know what I mean at all? I think right. they don't want that. So, so the question is, is you know, clearly they didn't have enough pull in the room to get that not to happen. Um, and so as we see this happening, everybody should be on notice, right? That um, that that they need to step up their game. 
right. basically, right? So we've got Kane and we've got Salazar um, and, um, and you Maybe know, who are they going to put, Secretary in, of State, put in charge of presidency? Right. Right. So, I mean, these are really or or any number of sub appointments at the SEC. So these are really important. um, These are really important questions. And the labor unions, SEIU, that backed um, Clinton early, you know, they 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 should um, they they better get something for that. And they need to. And now is the time to use it. So. Right. I mean, my I guess my fear is that or lots of the fears of lots of progressives is like, did we make a mistake by saying we're going to vote for Clinton? Should we have held out until they actually delivered some progressive things like not nominating Tim Kaine, who does understand white privilege, by the way? I want to make sure everyone watches the now this video of him uh, where they say Tim Kaine understands white privilege. It's really it's going to change hearts and minds. You're going to realize he's a really nice guy. Um, and uh salazar like that already happened why why it's not like positive reinforcement works with these people they want these conservative things and i don't mean to sound like a a contrarian but um i feel a little young to be so jaded but you know i've been i'm reading thomas frank's book listen liberal which is all about how you know it's not that the democrats felt forced to to do these things it's that they want to do these things has really been eye-opening um so basically can you tell me why i i should I want to, you know, not just put my head in the sand and and get really into scrapbooking or something. Well, you you can you can want to do, you can want to do that. Look, Scrap, well, you you're, know, you're scrapbooking positive. I want to put that out you there. You, okay. you don't have to like it, right? But we do need to vote for Clinton. And 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 for me, the reason is that um, is that Clinton needs to crush Donald Trump and not just win. And, um, and, and the reason is, is that um, we don't have to just defeat Donald Trump, we have to defeat Trumpism. And the, the 2018 midterms are gonna, be, are gonna be really, really, really tough. And if, if Clinton comes through and maybe we, sweep, we take the Senate barely, and then we have two years of a Clinton White House and a Democratic uh, Senate and an obstructionist Republican House, when we come to 2018, people are not going to be seeing change, and um, and we're going to get slaughtered. Mm. Um, and and like you know, there's, there's what 25 Democratic Senate seats up in 2018, and I think maybe eight Republican seats. So it's going to be terrible. And if, if we go into that cycle with a bunch of people um, who are fired up by Trump, even though we didn't win, then it's all progressives are going to be able to do is spend all of our time and money defeating those many trusts. But, and what we want to do is get behind amazing candidates who actually are running on a platform that's as good as or better than Bernie's. I mean, I don't know about you, Katie, but when we almost won the democratic nomination for Bernie, we we came so close. Right. And I'm even though we didn't win, I am so fired up about next time. We should, by the way, give you a round of applause. I do want to give you, wait, can I just give you a round of applause? Because really, you, you should, yeah. I didn't even say this the, the, at the beginning, so, so, but you really, so, but Becky Trump, and her team, Trump, everyone did an amazing if job. If folks are inspired up as I am because they almost win, then we're going to, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to take 10 years. You're saying you that know, you don't want Becky out. Bond, little conservative right wing Becky Bonds running around the or the world, the country. <laughs> yeah, right? That's yeah, the danger. Yeah, and Katie Hoppers. Yeah. Isn't that, won't that be interesting? Yeah. We, we have to go out there and, and, and crush our, our, uh, our body doubles on the right wing. I mean, but what's going to what's going to crush uh, Trump Trumpism and Trumpers is uh, is a is a change in the quality of life or the perception of the change in the quality of life among a lot of people who are who are voting for him. 
uh, or who are interested in him. And my question yeah. is, Trump curious. Are, are, is, are Clinton's policies going to make, make life better or uh, create a perception that life is better for those people that are dissatisfied and, and voting out of anger right now? Uh, no. <laughs> so, so, so that's why we all have to vote, right? right. <laughs> because we can't have any ideological holdouts, right? This is why we have to run the numbers up because, um, because you're exactly right. And, and, you know, some of the things that are on Clinton's agenda will clearly make things better for working people than, than, than what Trump is, is, is running on. Um, but it's it's going to be really hard for people to perceive that as improving their lives. When um, when I was on the campaign trail, when I was in Iowa, there was a I was in a in a diner and this talking to the the waitress and she was trying to decide whether she was going to vote for Bernie or for Trump. And this was happened a lot. And you know she was someone who you know felt like her life had gotten worse under President Obama. She voted for Obama, but felt like her life had gotten worse and. She and she specifically talked, for example, about Obamacare, and she was just saying, well, you know, there's yeah, there's Obamacare, but you have to pay so much to get it, and then you have this policy that um, that the deductible is so high that you can't even go, and then if I don't do it, I have to pay a, uh, have to have to you know pay a, I have to I get have to be penalized, I have to pay right for not buying in, and so and so instead of you know having single payer or even a simpler public option, the ability to buy into medical care. We gave her this really complex plan and shop for insurance and all this sort of stuff. And so she, she really couldn't recognize, you know, the benefits to her life of something that we know is really important and that we know really improve people's lives, but it's just really hard to sell because it's such a technocratic halfway solution. Right. And it seems to me like Bernie Sanders was p- penalized for even appealing to those people who would consider Trump. Like that was used against him. Paul Krugman t- talked about the angry white men, but it's so clear to me that that was one of his best um, abil- abilities was to speak to people who are f- feeling like they're getting screwed by the system and offer them solutions and leadership that's not racist, that's not xenophobic, that's not homophobic. Although, in all fairness, Trump did tell LGBTQ people that he loves them. And that's why. I know the Q, that Q was, the Q was nice. I, I, thought, I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, you know, uh, Nando Villa, friend of the show, he was there. He saw the teleprompter. He says the Q wasn't there. That's how woke Trump is. He added the Q. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that great? And then that, of course, gives a very woke foundation. Gabe, you can laugh into the mic. A very woke foundation to uh, his, his Islamophobia, right? It's really because he wants to protect the gays. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you don't have to endorse no. that sarcastic yeah, statement. Yeah, I know. Yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, imagine yeah, I, I, someone just, edits I, I, it. I, I, Becky Bond agrees. Yeah, the transcript, will, the transcript will not read the satire. So right, exactly. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, but Breitbart may want to hire you instead of they want they want you to be their secret weapon instead of Bernie's. Um, yeah, they're they're down a secret weapon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, one thing I want to ask you about specifically, you write in this great piece. You write so to progressives who supported Clinton in the primary, labor advocates, environmentalists, immigration reformers, anti-war activists, you have a special responsibility. To to lead efforts to hold your candidate accountable, not just on TPP, but on the fight to keep fossil fuels in the ground, dismantle structural racism, stop the deportations of children fleeing violence in Central America, and bring our troops home from U.S. wars of choice in the Middle East. Okay, I'm someone who really liked Bernie, let's say. I mean, I did. And I really don't like Clinton. 
I don't like Trump either. But what of these issues is she clearly going to be better on than Trump? And that's not what you're saying. I mean, you're you're not saying that she will or won't be. But I'm just curious because when I was reading that list, I was like, wow, like the racism stuff, probably police brutality stuff. But for people who really say there's no difference, and I, I know I'm not supposed to believe that. and I don't believe that. But I need like a pep talk to explain to me why there's really no difference. Because of the hawkers, well, that's there's, my fear. There's a huge, there's okay, there's a huge difference in terms of the climate agenda. I mean, I mean, Clinton, I mean, what Clinton is proposing is not nearly enough, right? But, but, uh, but Donald Trump, I mean, wants to hand things, uh, wants to hand everything over to the oil and gas companies. And, um, and in, in terms of the TPP, I don't, I don't, you know, um, that's the, I think that's the only issue where he is actually better than than Clinton on. I mean, the, 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 even though I used to think, and I don't think this anymore, you know, in the beginning of the campaign, he was really putting forward a a very isolationist approach to foreign policy. Um, But he's so erratic and you just can't simply, you know, believe him. And and he's made lots of statements that, um, that make it seem like he actually, you know, would use military force and he's changed from that earlier position. So so even though she's such a hawk, I don't, I don't, I don't think we can uh, any longer say that um, she'd be more hawkish than, uh, than Trump. Yeah. Liza Featherstone, who was on our live show the other day, she said that she just thinks, she just thinks that he would tack on a level of xenophobia, racism, um, and Islamophobia onto the foreign policy that he wouldn't change it. I still maintain that there's a possibility that Trump would invade fewer countries, put uh, send less, uh, use less military involvement, but just torture people more on air and stuff. But I could see that yeah. happening. Gosh, which, yeah. I know. Which on a utilitarian like level, no, I, I'm not endorsing that. That's not yeah. something I look forward to. Yeah, I mean. I- I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, and here's the thing is that, you know, we, in some ways we've already lost as a country by <laughs> yes. winning the Republican yes. nomination, right? We can't, we can't unring the bell. And, you know, it, 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 in my point of view, it's too bad that a lot of the groups that, yeah. a lot of the liberal groups that came out and spent money and time trying to beat Bernie, um, if they had instead, a lot of people whose constituencies are really put at risk, you know, by a Donald Trump right. um, uh, candidacy and the rise of Trumpism, if they had spent that energy, you know, defeating Trump and going after the bad Republicans, I think we'd be in a much better uh, place today. But instead, they decided to, um, that it was more important to spend progressive money, um, you know, running down the most progressive candidate in the race, Bernie Sanders. And, and, and we can't undo that. That's, right. that's done. And now Trump is the, um, now Trump is the nominee. But, but the, but the, the thing is, is that, you know, people of conscience, you know, we have to, um, we have a choice between, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and uh, you know the third parties—they're just—they're really not viable. Enough. There's just no one. No, yeah, no one is at, at, at the numbers where we could, you know, change the outcome of the um, of the election. And you know, uh, you and I and a lot of people work really, really hard for it to be a different choice at this point. But that race is over. We lost that race. And you know, I, when I vote for Clinton um, in the fall, I'm going to be thinking about the next campaign against her, which will be in the primary. Um, for 2020. And, uh, and I can think about that. And if I want to vote against Clinton, the place to do it is, uh, is, uh, is for re-election. Um, but we had our chance to vote against Clinton. Um, a lot of us voted for Bernie. Uh, we came very close. We didn't, we didn't win. And that's the reality. And so now we have to deal with the choice that we have. Um, and then we have to start working on, you know, having better choices in the future. And part of that, I think, is defeating Trump soundly, um, crushing him, dealing him a humiliating defeat. 
Um, and then building towards 2018 and 2020, where we can get some candidates we actually want to vote for on the ballot so we can work for them. Who's your dream candidate for uh, 2018? For 2018? For, uh, uh, Sorry, 2020. Uh, oh, for 2020. Um, that's a really good question. Have you have you thought a lot about you know running because you know we we almost got the first Jewish president. You know, I know. Maybe, maybe you could pick that up. Well, you know what, Becky, I was very upset that no one asked Hillary Clinton if it was anti-Semitic for her to get in the in the way of the first Jewish president. Remember when Hillary uh, Sanders was asked about the the sexism yeah. thing? So yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm I want I like Nina Turner I, a lot. I think I think Nina Turner. Um, I think Nina Turner is 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 amazing. Um, I think there's you know a lot of you know um, I think a lot of people there's a lot of people that always think well these people are not viable the person that I really want to vote for and I think just seeing Bernie go from like three percent name recognition in the polls to winning 22 states and coming within two points of winning five others and really coming close to the nomination uh, the idea about who actually could run and win is that's uh, that's 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 changed. Right. I get it. Right. Be- I get it, Becky. I'll consider it. I consider it. You're making a very appealing case for my running. Um, and then you could, and then you could ask Clinton all the questions that you wanted to, but in a debate, wouldn't that be great? True. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining us. We want to have you back. We're going to need more pep talks from you. And also you have, you're, you got something cooking up your sleeve. That's a weird mixed metaphor and sounds kind of dangerous, but uh, we'd love to have you back <laughs> and you'll have to tell us what's happening. And Honestly, thank you for doing what you do. We like to talk the talk, as we say, but you are actually out there doing the organizing. And um, we'll follow up with you maybe because we have another our next guest. But maybe I'll write, I'll email you. We'll get a list, bang out a list of concrete goals and things that people can work on. Sound good? Great. I look forward, I look forward to working together. Thank you. Thanks so much, Becky. Bye. 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 That was Becky Bond. Amazing. You heard her pounding. That was kind of mm-hmm. exciting. Emphatic. Emphatic, yeah. I mean, she, by the way, she ends her... her I, I love the way she says, I'm not going to say I told you so. At the end of the article, she says, so do progressives who supported Clinton in the primary, you have special responsibility, and um, uh, my message to progressives isn't I told you so, to the progressives who back Clinton. These appointments are totally predictable moves by the Clinton administration. Progressive supporters of Clinton knew this was coming. So, booyakasha. Not pulling any punches there. So, we just have to figure out what leverage we have, because I'm not sure, but uh, we'll follow up with Becky about that. Um, we'll take, you know. You know, take you know what we've got? What? Dank memes. We do have dank memes. And never under never underestimate the power of dank memes to change the world. They, you know, what's that Margaret Mead quote? Anyway, speaking of Margaret Mead, we have the Margaret Mead of... Uh, uh, podcast productions he's been called that before we have brendan james in the office in the in the studio and welcome brendan hi guys hi oh my god that's a different (laughs) voice that was that was like the quiet storm smooth and silky seriously yeah i'm just looking at the seven words that i can't say so i can memorize them for the rest of the show and deploy them deploy them at, at the right time yeah which is after the show or in a language that nobody speaks, mm-hmm. Esperanto maybe. Um, Brendan writes at Slate Vice, uh, Guardian, Guardian. My, my blog. His blog. I didn't know you had a blog. I don't. Oh, I just, okay. Oftentimes, when either when you're a freelancer or you work somewhere that which I have that isn't terribly well known, and people ask, "Oh, so what do you write?" Right. I just say my blog, right? Because they actually respect that more than you saying where you actually work, which right. they don't know. I see. Blogspot though still has some cachet. Uh, Zanga. Zing. Yeah. Um, so, Brendan, can you tell us about? Oh, and you're also the producer of the Chapo Trap House podcast. That's big, right. Big friends of the show. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about? You're um, a friend of our show too. 
Actually, that's more truthful. Yeah, I'm more of a friend of your show than it's, other way around. Yeah, we, yeah we're 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 mm, we're on good terms. I love yeah. the Chapo Trap House. If if Thanks, uh, any of our listeners have not, you have to really we're, go. We just got on Spotify. If you want to check awesome. us out on Spotify, because uh, that's where we're going to get all those demographics. We can target market uh, people now. Oh, great! Super important for how figuring much does out. Spotify just pay you for that? Well, we at least get like twenty bucks a year from that from the ad uh, revenue share. From what you just said, I mean. Oh, just now? No, I'm not pitching. You you want me to get me on pitch mode? Just talk about Popeyes. I mean, I've been eating a lot of Popeyes. That's true. I, I love my, how Popeyes smells. Mm, you know, you I haven't get really off, picked up on the smell aspect. You get off of a like a J train, an mm. overhead J train in Bushwick, and you just you know step outside, and there's like a Popeyes right underneath the Louisiana white Louisiana Musk. Oh, so musky. Subways smells really distinct. Yeah, not to no sink, doubt, right? No doubt, we can all uh, agree on that. Well, thanks for having me on. That was yeah. a good chat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna do some t- uh, food t- tasting test taste. What is it called? Taste testing. Okay. <laughs> taste makers testing. So tell us, Brendan, what is the deal with all this Donald Trump Michigas? Because I can't honestly follow it. We got Donald Trump, this guy in the Ukraine. I mean, sorry, Ukraine. Sorry, guys. It's the communist in me. Um, Manafort. We got um, Mana Week. Mana Goat. The Manicot, Italian dish. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Man alive. We got him, <laughs> them, and then we got uh, Roger right, right. Ailes. So yeah, Roger Ailes is back the, in the yeah, game. Yeah, what the deal is. And well, you've written really great pieces of, about this on um, on The Guardian and uh, Advice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so Ailes was sort of a bombshell the other day. Uh, well, it was a bombshell. Can you tell us who bombshell. Ailes is? Roger no. Ailes uh, is the founder, one, one of the founders, along with Rupert Murdoch of the Fox News Channel. And he was the CEO and chairman for the entirety up until now of Fox's existence. And he has been sort of unceremoniously disgraced by uh, really a wave of allegations of sexual abuse. By that, women putting their body parts onto his hand. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, there was a particularly dark uh, testimony that um, m- most of these stories have been broken by New York Magazine, um, but it, it originated in a lawsuit by an ex-host, Gretchen Carlson, who was really one of the peppiest and most um, sort of uh, distinctly uh, team player Fox hosts and, until she decided to go public with this and it's resulted in an investigation that has uh, uh, in turn resulted in Ailes's ouster. So he is still now with a $40 million severance package, uh, a consultant at Fox, but he's lost his really om- omnipotent presence there. And so the first pe- the first thing people thought is, well, he likes getting Republicans elected. He likes plausible deniability. He likes working in the shadows. Sexual harassment. He likes, likes a bit of that, uh, allegedly. And uh, so, you know, is, is he is, is he just on his way over to the Trump campaign? That was sort of the, the scuttlebutt for a while. Just want to put in a good scuttlebutt. Uh, drop, we need one. Drop that. Episode. And uh, and it turns out, according to the New York Times, that indeed he has migrated to the Trump campaign. And, and along with um, another hire today, well, an official hire, Ailes has said and people have said that he is not officially hired by the Trump campaign, which would again be consistent. He often doesn't like being materially connected, just just working from the shadows. An actual hire, a concrete hire as a campaign chair today was uh, Steve Bannon, who was the up until now the executive chairman of Breitbart News. So sort of like the next generation of Fox News. So so Trump's got the old guard in Ailes and now the younger uh, sort of um, uh Batman uh, uh, Returns style um, conservative media moguls at his side. Gabe really enjoys that reference. Right? I oh I love I love any pop culture references. So no, what was the future Batman? I was trying to be really quick with my reference. There it was not new. It was like new Batman. It was like uh, be- Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. 
Ma- uh, the uh, the Breitbart guy is the Batman Beyond. That's what I was saying. Now, does he have any track record of like creep life in the same way that Ailes does? Oh, good question. No, I don't think there's anything like that um, uh, out there about about him. But I did write a, a piece today, sort of running running through his rap sheet, his background, and you know, he's got actually a very interesting life. He's he's really kind of come up from. This is radio, so people can't see you doing your eyebrow thing. You Sorry. want me to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the come hither story. No. Come What's hither story. What's the origin yeah. story the for origin, this guy? Yeah. Um, Papa, Papa Manja. Steve, what is it? Papa Mama? Steve Bannon colon origins is as follows. It is essentially the story of a man who was a navigator for the Navy during the uh, Iranian hostage crisis, which sort of sowed the early seeds of his anti-liberal, anti-Carter anti-democratic um, political persuasion because he thought, you know, he called it a goat F star star mm-hmm. star. Um, and uh, Gabe Goat identifies, so that must have been really painful to hear. Sorry, I'm Gabe. a Capricorn, but no big deal. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I don't even want to touch any any sore spots, but uh, that's, that's sort of where he began. He was in the Navy, and then he migrated to Wall Street in the 80s in the Greed is Good era. Gordon Gecko style. Gordon Gecko style, except he actually, because Breitbart has has a very Trumpian populism to mm. it, sort of ended up disillusioned with Wall Street and how it entered the, as Michael Lewis wrote about in, um, I think Liar's Poker was the, was the book he wrote about Wall Street. Um, he ended up very disgusted with how Wall Street became sort of even more one percent screwing over the little guy type stuff. Can I say screw? Yeah, because I already said it. Okay, good. It's not on there. And then from there, he went into the entertainment industry and began to produce movies and then make his own movies after 9-11. And that's when his political awakening really happened. And he was um, courted and then converted, I think, to full-time political operator status by Andrew Breitbart, the late Andrew Breitbart, who died in 2012 and whose mantle um, Steve Bannon has, has taken up. And brought into the now actually brought past his media influence into the Trump campaign. Now, what kind of movies was he making? He made a movie called uh, Battle for America, which was about the Constitution lovers versus the liberal elites. He made a movie called uh, Border War, which was obviously about immigration and touching on a lot of the stuff that we see motivating the the, the alt right and the Trump movement. He made a movie called. Um, evil something fear no evil or see no evil or something like that which or was like hear a, no evil or, or indeed indeed hear hear no evil and uh that was a reagan war on terror sort of like mishmash of uh, that was the first one he made in 2004 and then he did the undefeated which is the sarah palin hagiography uh, oh. ha- um and i think breitbart called him the rife the leah Le- Le- lenny Le- riefenstahl Re- uh, the the, the riefenstahl of of the sort of alt-right uh, mm-hmm. Which to him was a compliment. I think wow. just openly. <laughs> Ter- and, terrible. Monster. Yeah, and and uh, and he's done a lot of other movies too. But but if you look at them, they really are kind of the library of your Trump supporter, your average Trump guy. And and uh, so he's a perfect fit. And the only concern now for those who see any future for the Republican Party, or indeed for any kind of Republican victory in in the general election, which is a, a prospect that's shrinking by the day, it seems. Uh, this is disturbing to them because it's. What appeal does this guy have and how is he going to run the campaign to broaden it beyond what Trump already has, which is the support of the, you know, super hardcore um, nativist, xenophobic and uh, brawler, street fighter type. You literally make it sound like everybody voting for Trump is Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. It's not an I mean, add about 200 pounds, maybe. (laughs) And, you know, uh, the the the. The love of a of a diet soda with full flavor, mm. and I think that's not inaccurate. And I think that's what this you guy heard it here first, to. by the way. 
that's where just mark, mark that moment of that diagnosis. I think Trump if voter. his, I think if his, if it was Trump Pence 2016 full flavor, <laughs> that would be like a, a slogan that they they should have already come up with. I think. Now, full disclosure, I just want everyone to know that um, oh, Andrew God. Breitbart did tweet at me before he died. Um, <laughs> like right before. <laughs> no, yeah, I was the last person he contacted. You were his rosebud tweet. Yeah, exactly, you were his yeah. emergency contact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and he wrote, "Jimmy JJ Walker is a big great winger." I don't even know who that is. I kind of do. Is actually. that the Southern guy who talks on MSNBC? Uh, no, I don't, I don't want to take a stab in the dark, so I don't know. Oh, okay. But uh, he goes, but most right wingers in showbiz play it close to vest because of punitive PC totalitarians like KT helps. You were you were at that moment, what, like policing Hollywood yeah, uh, for exactly, being yeah. too, li- too, too conservative. That yeah. Jimmy J.J. Walker he yeah. was talking about was the J.J. from Good Time. Wow. What? Was he conservative? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! He is yeah. conservative. Reggie with the, with oh, he the, he is still conservative. He is. He still is. Yeah, you got John Voight. Um, Voight. You've Gary got Sinise. Gary Sinise. John Malkovich is a conservative. Really? Yes. That's weird. Well, Wikipedia. They're going to say Mellencamp, which Wikipedia. is clearly not the case. No, I don't no, think so. No, he's a populist of the left. Um, mm-hmm. Also, breaking news, probably because we covered this story earlier in the show. Um, Wonkett's writer Rebecca Schoenkopf. I don't know how to say her last commie name. Commie girl on Twitter. Commie girl. Yeah. Um, she exudes communism she from does, every yeah. pore. Yeah. Um, Literally, we can talk about that in another episode. But I don't want to. She, I said it, it not Brendan. Um, she said, "Juanita, I'm sorry." This is again the woman who said, "How do, you can this be." This is starting well. <laughs> Hold on, she said. <laughs> she said. Now remember, she's the woman who said um, <laughs> that Clinton, because he called up, he had nice rape etiquette, post rape etiquette, so he could still be a feminist. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah. Um, allegedly had good etiquette. Yeah, exactly. We don't even know. He could have had bad. Drop etiquette. the allegedly wherever you want. Yeah. So. Um, Allegedly, slash, we have a screenshot of it. Um, uh, Rebecca Schoenkopf Schoenkopf. wrote, Juanita, I'm sorry it read. Brendan, you can laugh into the mic. We do this every couple of shows. Someone turns Yeah, but do I want to laugh about this topic is the question. Yeah, because there's only, you can laugh or cry. Juanita, I'm sorry it (laughs) it read as if I presumed to forgive him on your behalf. It wasn't my intention. Okay, Mm. that's a... Do you have the poll quote ready? Because I've almost... Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but I, 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 that's an interesting construal of... Uh, of reality? Uh, that's yeah. a quite an alleged story that she just told. We're uh, actually going to talk about this on Chapo tomorrow. Oh, nice plug. Yeah. Chapo uh, Trap House, available on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Well, uh, again, yeah, she says, we're all forgiven. I, that was my favorite thing about it. I'm Catholic. We're all forgiven if we're sorry. And Broderick says Bill Clinton... Do your listeners know what you're her. talking about with this whole... Yeah, I talk, we talked about it earlier. Cool. I thought the Thanks. show was just me today this segment no 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 we okay. talked about it earlier it was one of our headlines <clears throat> and next you can week call we're gonna mic, have Katie. i keep telling one's you. appealing one's not next week we're gonna have katie baker on the show talking about oh the well, she, she wrote that brilliant yeah, piece that sparked this whole thing the, yeah the, the the big story that that sparked the little <sighs> the little tweet one small step um, for for rape apology yeah um but that's the art the funny thing it's hilarious this whole topic is that um <laughs> We, I feel like there was kind of this this um, agreement, like a pact, that we weren't going to talk about the Juanita Broderick thing for messed up reasons. Mm-hmm. But then once a big Clintonite, that is this Wonkat person, came out and offered not like a, uh, it didn't happen, but a rape apology. Like mm-hmm. it probably did, but it's okay. Yeah, I mean, she does, you're not exaggerating. And, and, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, that is in the post. Yeah. It's pretty we, remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it's different than a, doubt, a piece right. with doubt. It's, it's a piece that's like, hey, maybe, but you know, it's in the past. Which in a sense is refreshing. I mean, that's the, 
thing you gotta yeah well i'm not even being sarcastic i mean it is sort of refreshing in that isolated amoral regard that that's that she's putting the cards on the table right but it's interesting that there was not a big feminist backlash yeah that is i mean it, it really was something that why don't you no go take, go take the reins? No, no, no. Why? It really was something. What? No, I was going to say we don't know if it's because they didn't care or if it was because it was on one cat, which nobody reads anymore. That's I, so. In their, in all fairness, yeah. Uh, to to answer that legitimately, though, I mean, I think that social media has erased the concern over where something was written. If you block right. quote something right. or whatever, or it's it's going to if people want to sound off on it, they will. And I got to agree with you. I was surprised to see that none of the people who have been um, really banging that drum against you know, rape culture, rape culture, b- Bernie, mm-hmm. sexism, yeah. um, harassment online. Um, a lot of the themes that seem to tie into this case in which a woman is, you know, for decades at this point, um, t- trying to tell her story and largely being ignored by progressives or, or, or progressives have been dancing around it. Certainly there was just no real crickets yeah even which is why and crickets are known to be progressive and uh just as an animal and right. i was surprised that not even they were making any noise they do a little yeah they're always they do that dance but by the way that's why i may have looked like a crazy person but maybe if some other feminists had come out i wouldn't have been on twitter all night mm. um we gotta get you off twitter yeah i know i was thinking yeah okay well you know what we'll talk about it more later but um get on zanga like me yeah i gotta get on zanga um, any any final words? We're gonna have to have you back. Oh, tr- woke Trump. We're gonna have to have you back to do the. Woke I'm glad Trump we didn't thing. get to that. All right, it's too much. I wasn't right? prepared we for have it. To, yeah, it's too emotionally. So, um, well, anything else you want to talk about in the remaining minute? Oh God. Um, uh, no, not really. I um, I saw Suicide Squad the other day. I can recommend all your listeners go see it. It's, really? Uh, it's no, not, of course not. With, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 it's a uh, it's 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 a terrible film, and um. I, I can only say that um, you shouldn't give money to uh, Warner Brothers or DC anymore for those movies because I also had to see Batman vs Superman, which was equally bad. Wow, so terrible! I was. Do in you guys the do culture on your show? Do you do? You do yeah, it? this is like yeah, some serious we, culture no, 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 stuff. Maybe do. I'm overwhelming Game, your no, listeners. No, no, no. I I get about a third of the references that are like ma- dudish, and then I bro. The, yeah, the, sorry, bro, bro, yeah. bro corner. The no, uh, I'm, all not, pop I'm not. Why hasn't Gabe spoken to, heretofore? This is uh, marginal. Sort of really, he's not even talking at all, and I feel like you're you're domineering over the, you know, this man who uh, doesn't have a voice otherwise. Yeah, go you take know? it away. I'm not don't, even going to sign. I don't have a space. No, you know what? I'm just I'm just the side chair here at the Katie Halper show. Whenever you guys need me, I'll chime in. Uh, loved Suicide Squad. Do you want to uh, send us? Do you want to keep send us packing? We have to end it up. We have but to I want right to give now? you the the keys to the. Hey guys, uh, follow us all on Twitter. You can follow me first at uh, Gabe underscore Pacheco. That's Gabe underscore Pacheco because I spoke over yeah, it. Yeah, and I have a show tonight. Come see me live at 10 p.m. at Pete's Candy Store for Funhouse Comedy. And I'm KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S. Follow KT Helps Show hashtag on Twitter and also subscribe to us on iTunes. I can hear the music. Follow us on SoundCloud. And we love you. And we'll see you next week. And we will have Katie Baker talking to us about that explosive uh, story that all the feminists on that retreat with that <laughs> Wi Fi somehow missed. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.